first of all say thanks to my grandchildren, Isabella and Ethan, who let me borrow this. And thanks to my Joan, who was up till 11.30 last night making these for me. It's good that people have lots of different talents. I was thinking all day yesterday, how on earth am I going to draw these things out so people will read them? Because my hand shakes a bit when I write. And uh, I think I got it from my, my father. He shook. And as a pharmacist, I should be able to read shaking writing. But I'm not so sure that you would read my shaking writing. So... We're going to talk about it. Now, when you, when you hear the word it, I wonder what you think. I've, I've heard the expression, they've got it. He's got it. She's got it. My aunt in America, long gone now, but she had it, my Aunt Ellen. She had, I don't care where she went, she had it. It worked. Something worked for her. I remember when we visited her in, in uh, West Palm Beach long before, uh, many years ago. Uh, she wanted to take, this is in Florida, she wanted to take us to a restaurant, her favorite restaurant. So we got in the car, all dressed up, went to the restaurant. And in the restaurant, we got there, and the people at the front were saying, oh, there's a wedding reception going on. Who are you with? The bride or the groom? She didn't have a clue about any of them. But she said, I'm with the groom. <laughs> so they let us go in. We partook of this banquet. I remember dancing with her. My Aunt Eleanor could get in. She, she had what it took. Bring it a little bit closer to home. You go to a restaurant. Now, I don't know how many of you have been into no-name restaurant. Has anybody been in there? No name. Well, listen, I've got to say they've got it. I can't really tell you what it is, but it's successful. They make you feel important. They really look after you. And us men, how about going to Alex the Barber? How many people have gone to Alex the Barber at Green Street Green? Oh, my goodness. You're missing out on something. There you go. Mark's been there. You're missing out on something if you've never been there. This man, this people, they have it. And I can't explain what it is, except they've got something that's special that makes them successful. And so when you think about it, what about the it for us Christians? Do we have it? Do we have it? Who can tell me what it is? Now, it's my favorite verse. I'm going to find it. It didn't leave this Bible. Jesus in John 10.10 10 is talking about his sheep. We are his sheep, people. If we've come into his family, we are his sheep. You agree with me? We are his sheep. And he says, Jesus is talking about his sheep when he says, I have come that they, speaking of us, who are his sheep, not those people who are not his sheep, but those people who have accepted him as Lord and Savior of their life. He said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
That's what he wants us to have, abundant life. Now, when you ask someone what this means in the world, they may say, well, money or fame. Well, you look into statistics of people who have a lot of money and a lot of fame. They don't have it. A lot of them are miserable inside. And I know some have committed suicide even because they thought they had it, but they don't. But that's not what this it is about. And I read this and I thought this was good. Only a relationship with Jesus gives this kind of life. The life Christ offers is not a mundane existence, but an ongoing, vibrant, dynamic, joyful experience. Now, life is available to all, but abundant life only comes through Jesus. In Romans 8, 11, it says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, in other words, if you've been born again, if you have accepted Christ and the Holy Spirit has come in to live with you forever, as the Word of God promises, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Holy Spirit lives in you. Now, having the Holy Spirit living in you is quite different from being a religious person. People today don't need to see good people doing their best for God. And a lot of us think that way. I'm doing my best for God. What people want to see is God doing His work through His people. You know, it's His work, His desire, and He lives within us. He's chosen us to be His vehicles of good works that He leads us to so that all the glory will go to God. Now, I'm convinced, I've been thinking about this abundant life for a long time. <clears throat> I'm convinced that Bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, who lives within us, is the only way to experience the abundant life that Jesus promised. So, Paul, in Galatians 5.22, says this. This is what the fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is. Now, this is not man-made. This is not working it up. This is something that the Holy Spirit wants to bring forth through us. And he will do it if we let him. But if we quench him, he won't. But if we surrender ourselves and let him, he will bring his fruit through us. Love, joy, peace, patience. Now I was looking at patience. That means forbearance. That's a bit more than patience. That means putting up with a lot that you normally wouldn't. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, one of my favorite authors is Charles Stanley, and he summarizes this in this way. The fruit aren't given to us as goals to pursue because we can't produce the fruit. The Holy Spirit is the producer, 
We are the bearers of that fruit. And we've been started looking at these uh, fruit of the Spirit in our home group. We've gone on up to three. And I want the first three. I mean, the first three fruit of the Spirit is really something dynamic. The first one, love. Now, the type of love that's mentioned in Scripture is called agape love. That is God's love. It's a sacrificial love. John 3.16 describes us. God so loved the world that he gave, sacrificed his own son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now that everlasting life starts now. Not when you get to heaven. You can experience it now. In order to have this kind of love, we have to be, allow us to have sacrificial love. Not caring for people who treat you well. It's caring for people who may be horrible to you. It's allowing God's love, who he said is in his, through his Holy Spirit, to pour out of you. You know, that really makes a difference, isn't it? If you really are really loving and caring for people who are always good to you, that's not very much. It's don't take notice. But you start really caring and turning the other cheek and caring for people who don't like you, caring for people who don't want anything to do with Christianity, would never come into church. But if they see something coming out of you, God's love coming out of you to them, that's not like the worldly love, it's going to mean something to them. They take notice. And it's possible. It's possible. The next fruit is joy. Now, it's quite different from happiness. Happiness is related to the circumstances that we're going through. Joy is not related to circumstances. Joy that's put in there by the Holy Spirit is an ongoing gladness inside. It's a feeling of being secure in God's love. Now, a good example of that is Paul, if you want to see an example. Paul was not always happy with his circumstances, but he was full of joy. See if you would be full of joy. Listen to this. He was arrested in Jerusalem. He spent two years in prison in Caesarea. He was transported by ship that sunk in the Mediterranean Sea and washed ashore in Crete where he was bitten by a viper. He finally arrived in Rome and was chained up for two more years. But it was at this time he wrote a letter to the Philippians in our New Testament. And if you look at it, I counted it, in Philippians, 16 times the word joy is used. Now he could not talk about joy <coughs> if it was happiness, if it was circumstances. Because you'd have to agree that his circumstances weren't very good during that time. But he had that inner strength, <coughs> that inner ability to be joyful because he knew God loved him. We've been singing about God's love. And he knew it. And when you know it, it comes out of you. And sometimes you can amaze people. I remember going to a funeral 
of John Platt's son who got killed. Now many of you know John Platt's son. John Platt's son who got killed in a dreadful accident. Someone opened the door while he was running and opened the door and hit him right in the chest and killed him on the spot. And I remember going to his funeral up at Norcote Evangelical Church. And we didn't get, they were so full, we had to sit in the back hall but, or the side thing that opened up. But I looked through and I saw John Platts. And you know what he was doing? He had his hands raised, full of joy. Can you believe that? His son's just died. He was full of joy. Now that wasn't worked up by John. That came from within, that <coughs> Holy Spirit. Now the third one is peace. An inter, inner tranquility in all circumstances. That's pretty good. Those three are a pretty good start for a life of abundance. Don't you say? If we had those things flowing through us, we would know something about the fruit of the Spirit. We would know something about the abundant life. Now, my desire is to have that abundant life. I hope it's your desire. Because it's a, it's a life that's so different from the world. So different from not having Jesus in your life. Do you think it's possible? How many people think it's possible? Could you raise your hand? Yes. It is possible. Because as we were saying earlier, all things are possible with God. He's not a God of the impossible. He's a God of the possible. And he put his Holy Spirit in each of us who've come to him to experience this kind of life. To show this kind of life. Last week, we were hearing about the bread of life. And in John 6, it says, And now he offers you true bread from heaven. The true bread is a person. The one sent by God from heaven. And he gives life to the world. There it is again. This life, this abundant life comes through Jesus and Him alone. Now, I've got five words that all contain it. Five words. And if you can remember these five words, it will be very helpful to experience the abundant life. And I'm not going to... Uh, apologize, but I'm using a Bible called the Living Bible. Has anyone you remember the Living Bible 40 years ago? The Living Bible, when I became born again and I was given a copy of it, it changed my life. I was riding on a, a, a tube from, from Orpington to Whitechapel on the train and in the tube, and I was reading this. And I was sitting there getting so excited about what I was reading because it was living and it was real. I didn't quite have the uh, courage like Simon would have probably had and get up on the carriage and start telling people about it. But I certainly talked to people at work about it. They thought I was a bit weird. But you know, when you've tasted of life, you can't explain it. But it's real. 
Okay, so I'm going to be reading some things from this Living Bible because it spoke so much to me all those years ago. And I hope by listening to it, maybe in a slightly different translation than you're used to, might also speak to you. So the first word that we're going to look at Faith. F-A-I-T-H. Faith. That's something that we need to think about. And listen to what Paul says about faith. In Galatians 2.20, this is what he says. And this is where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I myself no longer live. But Christ lives within me. And the real life I now have in this body is a result of my trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that fantastic? That's how he calls faith. We've always said, we looked at it, the words to say, for all I trust him. You've probably heard that. It's a faith. It's a reality that this is something God wants us to have. This is something that we need to have to keep going into the life. That we're not living the life that we used to. It's not about me anymore. It's about Him. And what He wants to do with me is up to Him. I have to have faith that He's in charge. We have to have that, don't we? If we're believers, we have to believe that God's in charge. If we believe it's in Jesus, we believe his sacrifice on the cross was for a purpose. When he was raised from the dead, that was for a purpose to show us that we can live a new life. He was the firstborn of many. We can live that life. Oh, it's exciting. I'm going to get excited before I finish. For all I trust him. I'll have some other verses to say a little bit about that. Now the next one is a very special word because it is not spelt like the word. The world spells it. And it's not spelt like you would spell it. But it's the way I learned to spell it. Being an American, we do a lot of things different. But this is a very important word that has... The word it in it. Let me get to my scripture before I. Are you ready? It's called forfeit. Forfeit. And what it means, listen what it means. Romans 12. So, dear brothers, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living sacrifice, holy, the kind that he can accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but be a new, different person with a fresh Newness in all you do and think. Then you will learn from your own experience how his ways 
will really satisfy you. In other words, we've got to sacrifice ourselves. We have got to forfeit those things of the world in order to have the life that Christ has given us. We can't be double-minded. We can't be wishy-washy. You'll never experience the fullness of life trying to stay in the world and in faith at the same time. It won't work. You think you might have days of it, and there may be days when you think you're doing pretty good, but you can't have the kind of overflowing rivers of living water pouring out of you if you're living in the world. People can't see lightness coming out of you, the light coming out of your face if you're in the world. Joan said for me to look at a man on television she was looking at yesterday from Iran, one of our Christians there, and you look at his face. His face was glowing. He had the light of life in him. Galatians 5.16, another scripture, says... This is what <coughs> Paul says. I advise you to obey only the Holy Spirit's instructions. He will tell you where to go and what to do, and then you won't always be doing the wrong things your evil nature wants you to do. For we naturally love to do evil things. They are just the opposite from the things that the Holy Spirit tells us to do. And the good things we want to do when the Spirit has His way in us is just opposite for our natural desires. These two forces within us will constantly fighting each other to win control over us and our wishes are never free from their pressures. This is why I was saying the abundant life is not easy. We have a battle going on. It's not easy, but it's possible. We've got to forfeit the ways of the world in order to have this kind of life. Okay? So that's the second it. Anybody guess what the third it is? Commit. I'm not going to read the 69 verses in the Bible that talks about being committed. But I'm going to read you one, and you would know this. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Have you ever had that experience when you didn't have a clue what you were going to do, and you take him at his word and say, I'm committing this to you. I'm expecting you to help me. Now, I used to do that at work lots of times, and God would come through. But just day before yesterday, I had an experience of that. We're having the roof taken off of the garage at Court Road because it's a asbestos roof and it's been leaking. And we've got people living there. We're renting the place out, so we need to get rid of the roof and put a new one on. They were supposed to come yesterday morning and take the roof off. Now, there's not much left inside, but there is a freezer still in there. And it's going to rain, isn't it? So I'm thinking yesterday morning, Lord, show... I'm committing this to you. Show me how to cover this freezer in a way that the wind won't blow it away and rain won't pour into the sockets. <clears throat> Unfortunately, it's got food in it, so I couldn't turn it off. I had a tarpaulin. So I went into the garage, 
and looked at her. I looked at the freezer, and you know, right behind the freezer on the wall was a piece of wood with nails sticking up. And of course, I was able to take the, the tarpaulin with the little eyelets in it, hang it over the nails, covered up the freezer, taped it down with no problem. Now, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. But I committed it to the Lord. Little things. Don't have to be big things. Little things. Commit to the Lord. Ready for your next one. Submit. Another it. And submit means to have wholehearted devotion. Listen to what David told his son, Solomon, in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 9. He said, Acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion, with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. If you forsake him, he will reject you forever. It's, he means business. He wants us to submit our lives to him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Now, I know you won't know this one. I don't even know if this is an English word or not, but it is in America. Bandit. The bandits. Do you remember John 10.10, 10, the first bit? It says, be on the lookout for... Here we, here we go. Be on the lookout for Satan. He wants to rob you of abundant life. It says, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. We've got to look out for him. He doesn't want us to have this abundant life. Can you imagine... If we all went out of this place full of life at all time, is he going to sit there and clap his hands? Of course he's not. Listen what James says in James 4.7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I like what the Living Bible says. He says, give yourselves humbly to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee. There again, you relax. We've got to submit, commit. We've got to completely give ourselves humbly to God. God loves humility. He does not love pride. Humble yourselves before God. And the enemy will flee. In the conclusion of his letter, uh, first letter, Peter wrote this. Be careful and watch out for attacks of Satan from your great enemy. He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion, looking for some victim to tear apart. Stand firm when he attacks. Trust the Lord. Stand firm. He knew what it was like to have the enemy chasing after him. You know, I'm sure if part of his denial of Christ was because the enemy was working in him.
to say, I don't want Peter to be a strong Christian, a follower of Jesus. I don't want Peter to be leading a flock to the fullness of God. I'm sure the enemy had a plan to destroy him, to bring him down. But he didn't succeed. Now, I'm going to read another scripture that you're very familiar with. This is another way, folks. Another way. We've got to be prepared for the bandit. And in Ephesians, Paul says to the Ephesians, and this is coming from the Living Bible again. He says, last of all, I want to remind you that your strength must come from the Lord's mighty power within you. Put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand safe against all the strategies and tricks of Satan. For we're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world, and against a huge number of wicked spirits in the spirit world. So use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy when he attacks. And when it's all over, you'll still be standing up. But to do this, you need to put on the strong belt of truth. The other scripture says a girdle of truth. You know, it wraps you. That's the word of God. May the word of God completely cover you. Put on the breastplate of God's approval. When we accept Christ, <clears throat> we are approved by God. We have a righteousness that's been imputed into us by God. And Satan can't take that away. It says, wear shoes that are able to speed you on your, as you preach the good news of peace with God. When we got, the enemy will try to tell you, you don't have peace with God, but we do have peace with God because we become Christians, his children. In every battle, you need faith as your shield to stop the fire arrows aimed at you by Satan. And you'll need the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Helmet of salvation. I've been thinking about it. That means the enemy can't speak negative things into my brain because I have the helmet of salvation on. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's why it's so important we read the Word of God. Have you been in situations when you're not really thinking about it, you don't have your Bible with you, but something happens and suddenly a word comes, and you're able to stand strong. And pray in the Spirit at all times. Always be on the lookout. I'm coming to the last it. And I'm sure you don't know what this is. Well, some of you may. Have you ever heard the word to it? You, to it. My dad had one of these. And this is what it is, if you don't know what a tuit is. It's a circular object giving its owner the ability to get done everything that would have otherwise been put off for a later date. Now, how many people in here or people on Zoom are putting off for a later date to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? To come into a life, an abundant life, that he wants you to have. 
But you haven't made that decision yet. You haven't got around to it. You're too, too involved in so many different things. You're unable to be still and know that He is God. And know that He loves you. And know that He will forgive you. I love that thing about Jonah in the whale. He didn't do what God wanted and God didn't like it. He was in the whale. A big fish it is really. But God didn't leave him there. God gave him a second chance to do what God wanted. And if you're in a two-inch situation now, this morning, God is saying to you, it's not too late to get around to it to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is his desire. <coughs> you know, the angels in heaven are waiting to start praising when you decide you're going to get around to it and do it, do something about it. The good news this morning is it's not too late. You can receive it today in your life. You need to acknowledge that you fall short of God's standard for life. That takes a bit of doing, doesn't it? I'm wrong. It's not about me. Lord, I've made mistakes. Repent of our shortcomings. And then receive the forgiveness through the sacrifice of the Son, Jesus. Let the Lord be Lord of your life. Let the Holy Spirit produce the fruit that he wants to produce through you. It's possible. Now listen, I'm not there yet. I've been at it for over 50 years, but I'm not there yet. But I tell you what, I'm a bit further on than I was 50 years ago. I have experienced things of God that no one can take away. And it's life that I want. And it's life that he wants us to have. <clears throat> now one final it that my son told me this, this week. He said, Dad, tell him this. It's worth it. It's worth it. Your life can be changed for good. So I hope this morning, you may have that abundant life, but it's not coming out to the full. God sees you. He loves you. And he wants to give you more of that so that you can be his witnesses wherever you go. But those of you who maybe not have that yet, he wants you to come into that. That kind of life. That kind of wonderful life that only comes from his presence within us. Amen.